Welcome to the Health Deli, your local stop for a fresh take on community health topics. Come on in, grab a number, and let the guys behind the counter, Mark, Ben, and Mike, tell you about today's specials. All right, welcome to the deli. Today we are on the road. We have the food truck out, uh, the Health Deli food truck, and we are out at Canadian Lakes Pharmacy. It didn't start right away. Cold weather in Michigan. We had to jump that thing. Hadn't it, used it in a while. Had to plug it in. It's got a diesel. Oh, um, oh, I thought maybe it was an EV or something like that. You know, it should be an EV. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a little more eco-friendly. Um, but we're out in beautiful Canadian Lakes, Michigan, in the Canadian Lakes Pharmacy. So uh, Dr. Um, uh, Brent Beamer is the pharmacist out here that owns this, and we're going to hear from him in just a second. But uh, also, we have uh, Dr. Mike Klepser with us today, and uh, Ben, Dr. Ben Pontefract, has the day off, so I don't know what he's up to. Yeah, he told me he had to work. Work? I know. Go figure. That's no I th- fun. I thought we were academicians. Yeah, exactly. So, um, again... Well, don't, don't forget uh, Producer Andrew. Oh, and- Producer Andrew is here as well, as always. Good morning. Good morning to it's a, you. It's a beautiful morning outside as we record this. Yes, and uh, we have we actually have windows here, uh, as opposed to the studio where it's battleship gray. Right. We may never be back in the studio again. We get no. a taste of this sunshine, and, and I'd rather be in the studio. I like really? it dark and gray. Matches my personality. <laughs> it actually does. You're right. So, um, so Brent, we're just going to ask you a couple questions about the pharmacy here. Uh, how long have you been here? Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, we've been here about four years now. Nice. Yep. Nice. And you know, why, why pharmacy? I started looking into pharmacy, I guess I would say like a guardian angel. Hmm. I, uh, started in up at Ferris in business school and I had to, you have to see back then. I don't know if you still have to do it, but you had to see your advisor to schedule classes. Mm-hmm. My advisor was busy. I waited till the last second, had to get another advisor to go see just so I could schedule my classes. And she was looking at what I was doing. And for some reason she looked at my uh, test scores, my ACT and SAT. And she's like, what are you doing in business school? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. What do you mean? And she's like, you should be in pharmacy school. So I looked into it and uh, here we are. Nice. You know, pharmacy is where business and healthcare collide for sure. Um, That that's amazing. And it's my hats off to you because we don't see a lot of younger pharmacists that are with the entrepreneurial spirit to start their own pharmacy, which you've done, which is just amazing. And this is a beautiful place here. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We First of just- all, thanks for calling me younger. I appreciate <laughs> oh, that. Oh, you're definitely younger. <laughs> you're a little bit younger than me. You're way younger than Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, and I think because I started in business school, I think that was part of it too. So I already had that a little bit of the background knowledge and um, of business. And then, yeah. So like I said, here we are today. Yeah. Great. So do you, website, probably. Do you have a website? Just Facebook page right now. Facebook yep. page, Canadian Lakes Pharmacy. Yep, exactly. Yep. All right. Well, listeners out there, if you're looking for just a wonderful, cute little pharmacy and beautiful uh, area to take a little road trip, it's situated in kind of a, um, a little plaza area with a restaurant and some other stores. So if you're looking for a day trip, come on up to Canadian Lakes, check out Canadian Lakes Pharmacy. All right, Brent, we'll let you get back to work. Um, and we're going to get into our topic of the day. Okay, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. So, Mark, what is our topic today? Today's topic, blood pressure. Uh, oh, and yeah. Just sitting next to you makes my blood pressure rise a little bit. You know, um, I can raise and lower my blood pressure with my mind. Really? Yeah. We, we could test that theory. And, and I like to raise it just so I can lower it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, that is impossible, but we could, <laughs> we could try to, to, try to uh, prove that theory. But before we get into the topic of the day, free samples. So what have you been working on for us, Mike? 
Well, I've been working on a, uh, an episode uh, related to vector-borne diseases. Uh, so those are diseases that are transmitted by things like mosquitoes and ticks. And I really want to focus on Lyme disease. Oh, okay. Uh, very, um, very timely episode um, with spring approaching quickly. So uh, ticks will be out and uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear about that one. I've been working on another one of this Know Your Numbers series. So today we're doing Know Your Numbers blood pressure. I'm working on a Know Your Numbers cholesterol episode. And then uh, I'm working on are, one. Are we doing a Know Everything Bad About Mike numbers? Is this why we chose blood pressure? <laughs> this is why we chose PSA? This yeah. is why we chose. Yeah. What's wrong with Mike? We could just <laughs> call it that. Pretty much every. Yeah. Actually, that would be a better name for the episodes. Yeah. What's wrong with Mike? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> what isn't wrong with Mike? Crickets. Crickets. Um, no, so and I'm also working on a seasonal affective disorder episode, um, talking about uh, seasonal depression. Um, still just trying to get some ideas and put that together. So, you know, somewhere I, I you know, saw that in some cities in Michigan, there was like literally only two days of sunshine since summer. <laughs> yes, yes. That's uh, the unfortunate uh, side of living in Michigan with that nice Lake Michigan and the westerly winds. We get a lot of cloud cover, unfortunately. Uh, so today, um, the the topic is blood pressure. So you probably, most of our listeners know this already, but a blood pressure reading is made up of two numbers. The first we call the systolic. The second number is called the diastolic. Um, typically, well, so the systolic, the, the first number, is is the pressure when our heart contracts. The diastolic, second number, is the is the pressure in our vasculature when our heart is in the relaxed phase. So the systolic, since it's the heart's pumping, the pressure is going to be higher of course, in the, in the veins. So that's going to be a higher number. And then when the heart relaxes, the pressure goes down, right? Exactly. You would okay. never have a blood pressure where the first number would be lower than the second number. That's I could do it because of my mind. <laughs> yeah, you could. Um, so typically we pay a lot more attention to the systolic blood pressure. Um, the diastolic blood pressure, while it could be... Um, could be important in some situations. The diast or the excuse me, the systolic pressure kind of raises steadily with age because our arteries are less pliable. So you mean they get stiffer and harder? Right. We call that hardening of the arteries. Okay. So um, it's just one of those unfortunate effects of aging. So whether it's elevated, there are, there are so many unfortunate effects of aging. Are there any yeah, good my, effects? My hair, yeah. Wisdom. The kids move out of the house. Oh, <laughs> that is a really. That is a good benefit of I'm aging. Telling your kids you said that. Yeah, that's really a benefit of their aging, though. Um, so either a, an elevated systolic or diastolic can be problematic. But again, we're looking a little bit closer at the systolic rather than the diastolic. Um, the if you if you look at the at the numbers at some of the data, the risk of death from ischemic heart disease and stroke doubles with every. 20 millimeter of mercury rise or 10 millimeter of mercury uh, rise in diastolic. So wait, wait a minute. Millimeters. How are, why are we measuring my blood pressure in millimeters? It's not like a length. Do you yeah. get a tape measure out or something great, like that? Great question. So this is a very old unit of measure. And what it is, is if you can, if you can envision a column, so like a test tube um, filled with mercury, which don't do that if you have access to mercury, because it's a known carcinogen. Um, but if you could fill that with mercury, it's the amount of pressure um, necessary to move that column of mercury one millimeter. So that's where the, the term millimeters of mercury comes from. So if you were if you were going to convert that into something we're more familiar with, pounds per square inch, 
Um, a normal blood pressure, a normal systolic blood pressure would be 120 millimeters of mercury. That actually only converts out to about 2.3 pounds per square inch. What's, what, what is the pressure of a tire? So like a normal tire on your car is probably between 30 and 50 pounds per square inch. So, so this 2.3 is like piddly. My blood pressure wouldn't even fill up a tire. You're right. Even if you had terribly high blood pressure, I mean, like what we would call hypertensive crisis, that's only about three and a half pounds per square inch. So it's a very narrow wow, range yeah. uh, of pressure that we would call healthy. So, you know, less than one hundred and uh, less than one hundred and twenty over eighty is considered healthy. Okay. Well, now, to, now, who decides that? So, oh, great question. So I'm going all of all of what we're talking about today is based on the American Heart Association's um, interpretation of healthy versus stage one, stage two, or hypertensive crisis. There are differing bodies that have differing um, recommendations, but they're only a little bit different, if that makes sense. So I think this is probably the most accepted, but it's definitely not the only um, body out there that's giving some recommendations about blood pressure. Okay. Um, so less than 120 over 80, you get the thumbs up. You are healthy. Everyone agrees on that. Up to 130 over 80, so a little bit higher systolic. We'd call that elevated. Okay, so not hypertensive is, is the fancy word we call that, but um, we're just kind of concerned. Okay. To get to stage one hypertension, that would be greater than or greater than the 130 over 80, but less than 140 over 90. Man, that's really not that much of a difference. Oh, little little bit of difference, and you're already in that um, hypertensive class, stage one. Stage two then would be that between 140 over 90 and 180 over 120, and then um, more than 180 over 120, we would call hypertensive crisis. And of course, the question a lot of times my students ask is, what if you know your your systolic falls in stage one, but your diastolic is healthy, and that happens a lot. You go with whichever is worse. Um, so whichever is that one that puts you in the higher category, whether it be elevated or stage one, stage two, that's the number you use. And do these blood pressure ranges and recommendations, are they the same for different people, you know, different races, different body sizes and all that? So it depends. There are some different, um, there are some different recommendations based on disease state. So certain disease states will have a little bit um, more stringent um, recommendations than others. So if you have diabetes, you're going to want to pay closer attention to your blood pressure than you would if you were uh, an otherwise normally healthy person. But there's no difference between uh, young bucks like yourself and old farts like me or people that are, you know, lean and in shape like me and not, morbidly not obese like you? No, not that I know of. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that flew right by me. I am not morbidly obese. Let, I do want to say just, just morbid. I, I am morbid. <laughs> I do want to say I just started an exercise routine a couple weeks ago. So, and it was based. You, you are looking quite fit. Thank you. You know, it was based on all of the research that I've done for episodes for this <laughs> podcast, and that is no lie. I started thinking to myself, "Wow, I am really not as healthy as I once thought I was." So I'm. Starting to work out, I'm starting to be. So did you quit picking your nose? Was that part of your no, healthy gosh, routine? No, I didn't stop that. <laughs> okay, that's not, is that unhealthy? <laughs> well, you, you probably need to go back and listen to the snot episode. Oh, I do need to re. I wasn't on that episode. I did listen to it, but I better I better go back and re listen. Um, all right. So, do you want to get your blood pressure taken today to find out what's wrong with Mike? Yes, I would love to because right. so here's my thing with my blood pressure. I do have hypertension. Okay. And I am on medication. 
okay. to treat my blood pressure. Okay. And it's funny because when I go to the doctor, you know, they always give me a, a remarkably low blood pressure. And I always look at them like, oh, yeah, I wish I was that. And then I go home and test it, and I'm like jacked up. Oh, great. So um, so we actually might get something outside of normal today. Yeah, we'll the, see. this is, I'm, I'm just kind of like a unknown. Yeah, you are. Um, more ways than one. All right, so do, we're going to have to. Do you need to, me to take my shirt off? I do. See my guns? I would like to see your guns, yes. All right. I'm going to have to take my um, earphones off here. I'm going to get ready to do this. So I'm going to hand over the the play-by-play to producer Andrew. Andrew, are you ready to announce this? Ready. All right. Do you have a cuff big enough for these? So I brought along a pediatric cuff um, <laughs> for Mike's biceps. Welcome to the gun show. <laughs> Selling tickets all day long. So now what is this that you're putting on me? So, oh. so this is a, a blood pressure cuff, mm-hmm. right? Yep. How do you know how tight to put it on? Great question. When I yep. s- yell and slap him, that's tight enough? Great question. So when you put the cuff on, you should be able to slide a couple of fingers underneath it. If you can't, if you can't, it's too tight. Got it. And we put this on the upper part of the arm, and we want to listen, you know, over the bend in the elbow, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What is what is this called? Pronounce it for me. I can't. <laughs> Sphygmometer or something? Sphygmomanometer. Sphygmomanometer. For those of you that can't hear what he's saying, he's essentially just tongue-tied uh, and you know, kind of spitting all over the place. And I'm not going to repeat it. I do see a line on there. That's actually the same symbol we use for a camera sensor, but that's uh, for the artery. Right. You put that over the artery, because not because the, the cuff is magical in any way, um, but it keeps all the tubes and stuff out of the way and kind of helps you identify that when you're putting your stethoscope down. Perfect. So we're getting a reading really intense in here. You could cut the tension with a knife. Yeah, I can feel the blood <laughs> rushing back into my hand. Well, that's the good part. All right. Give me the drum news. roll, please. So before I give you that, I want to give you a little bit of uh uh tips on taking your blood pressure. So we're going to talk here in just a second about um, ways you can do this at home. But when you take your blood pressure, it's very important that you have both feet on the floor in front of you. Don't cross your legs because that kind of plugs up some blood flow. Um, can give you an elevated um, reading. And then it is also important to, to be in a seated position for about five minutes. So don't run around the block and then try to take your blood pressure because that's going to give you a high reading as well. All right, so let me get settled back in. What do you think, Mike? Do you have any guess? You know, I'm, I'm feeling, where do I think that I put my blood pressure? I'm going to th- say that I put my blood pressure at 138 over 92 today. Yeah, actually, you're, you're pretty close. It was 132 over 85. See, I think you were wrong in that because in my mind, <laughs> I was putting it to 138 over 92. But, oh, okay. you know, you were, you were close. I'll have to check my cough. <laughs> um, so 130. Two um, would put you in that stage one classification, um, but you did say you're taking uh, blood pressure medications, um, so that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like, like I mentioned, it's funny because when I go to the doctor's office, sometimes they give me a much lower, and they're like, "Oh, you're perfect," but we know that when you take perfect. the blood, 
I am perfect in every way. Uh, but we know that when you take blood pressure, there's different sounds that you can listen for, and some of them can be really faint. Mm-hmm. And so one of the problems of doing you know, a blood pressure like you did with the stethoscope and stuff like that is noises around there can make you miss some of those really faint sounds. Mm-hmm. And that's why we use those automatic blood pressure cuffs in some situations. And when they take it at the doctor, my doctor still takes it manually. Uh, and I think that a lot of times it's slow, but when I take it at home with one of the automatic, I'm a little higher and I believe that one a little bit more. Okay. You know, and that's a great point. You bring up the automatic cuff because what, what I just did, um, it takes a little bit of skill. Okay. Now anyone, anyone can learn how to do it, but it's not something that you can really do to yourself at all. So blood pressure cuffs, automatic blood pressure cuffs are available in pharmacies like this all over the country. Um, most pharmacies will have uh, some mechanism to take a patient's blood pressure as well. If you ask, some of them actually have the machines where you can do it yourself. Um, they're like the old stockades, yeah, right? Similar. And, yeah. yeah. You, put you don't put, don't it. put your head in it, just your arms. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so high blood pressure is known as the silent killer and it really can wreak havoc on multiple organ systems. So if you think about too much pressure in any kind of system, and I'm not even talking about just human beings, I'm talking just about any system, increased pressure, keep hammering away on those organs, eventually um, uh, can lead to uh, what we call aneurysm. So it can kind of distend that blood vessel, and that blood vessel could potentially rupture. Um, so that could be that could look like a heart attack, that could look like a stroke, um, that could look like renal failure, it could look like a whole bunch of things. Um, but all of the things that are associated with high blood pressure are bad. Yes, <laughs> I'm <laughs> sitting is. here. I'm sitting here contemplating my own mortality at the moment. Yeah. So I'm so, probably going to die before the end of the episode. Is that what you're saying? You know, we can actually calculate that if it, we have one piece of the puzzle. Uh, one piece of the puzzle is high blood or is blood pressure. The other piece of the puzzle is a cholesterol test. So, teasing another episode, if we can get a cholesterol test on you, we can actually calculate your risk. Sweet, I just ate a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit yes. on the way here. <laughs> yes, so we're, we're probably going to see some high numbers. So now, so now, help me out here. Mm-hmm. You put all these numbers that the experts say are healthy and unhealthy and stuff like that. When do I need to start thinking about getting treated? you know, for my high blood pressure or how do I get treated? Are you going to sure. talk about that at all? Definitely. Um, before though, I kind of, I, we were talking about this before the episode and high blood pressure is an incredibly common disease state. So Andrew, um, actually, could you figure out how much, like how, what the percentage of the population is? What do you think, Mike? Like what's the percentage you think of the, of the United States population? That 30%. Has? Dang it, you took my answer. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say thirty percent as well because I really do I'm, think that's I'm gonna the say thirty point one percent. Thirty point one. You're like the Price is Right guy. Exactly. So no, you should be. Uh, no, you're right. Thirty point one. Yeah. All right. So the number here is forty-seven percent, or one hundred and sixteen million, have hypertension, defined oh. as systolic blood pressure higher than 130. Wow. wow. That is a staggering number. That's so, basically at least half. Fi- yeah, about 50%, you know, half the population. Yeah, that's incredible. That and it probably incredible. has a lot to do with our sedentary lifestyle, no exercise, bad eating habits. Oh, there's there's a lot of things. Actually, genetics play a role here. I like to think of high blood pressure as being similar to diarrhea. It runs in your genes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 
Gee. <laughs> uh, I've been working on that one all week. Um, but seriously, family history can predispose someone to having hypertension. Now, my mom's got high blood pressure. Her mom did. My grandpa did. I mean, so. Yeah, and adults um, should have their blood pressure taken with their normal visits with their primary care physician. So at least um, every other year um, for the younger people um, and every year for us. Uh, but this isn't 40. just a, you know, a, a problem with older people. No. Right. But, and it seems to me like if you were screened more often, well, first of all, you don't necessarily diagnose somebody with hypertension off of one blood pressure read. No, that's another good thing is that, you know, if you, there is variability, of course. So that one point in time when we took your blood pressure, whatever it was, 132 over 85, I would not make therapeutic decisions based on that. I would take another one today. Um, it's probably wash, you know, watchful waiting. Um, I would definitely encourage some diet, some exercise changes. If we, if we could make those, I'm flipping um, you off in my head. Yep. And then we'd come back and we'd take another one and, and then we'd make some decisions probably. And all the complications that you mentioned with the aneurysms and the bulging vessels and stuff like that, those aren't things that just like happen immediately. Right. So they happen over time. So the longer right. you have uncontrolled high blood pressure, the worse off you're going to be. So even for younger individuals, we know that you can have high blood pressure even at a young age. So being screened periodically would be helpful for those patients because they could be identified earlier, right? Exactly. The benefit would be much greater if identified earlier. The other thing that's that's kind of hurts us is that we can't feel our blood pressure, um, even though you claim that you can control yours with your I can, uh, I can, incredibly I can amazing mind. Uh, you can't tell if your blood pressure is high. Now, if it's incredibly high, you can have headaches, things like that. Um, but if it's just, you know, stage one hypertension, even stage two, you have probably have no idea um, that you're experiencing that. Hmm. Yeah. You know, another thing is actually gender. So if you are under the age of 64, men are more likely to have high blood pressure. But after the age of 65, women actually become more likely. Because men all die off before 65 <laughs> it and it's only be. women that are left right it could be yeah, yeah. so um if you're under 64 men should pay a little bit more attention although i don't want to discount i don't want to say oh if you're under 65 and you're a female don't watch your blood pressure well, not that it, at all because that's an interesting thing because they always used to talk about heart disease being a disease of men they did and then about 20 years ago really there was a shift to raise awareness in women because women were not being screened yes you're right and especially after menopause um, so the risk of heart disease increases um, drastically after menopause for females. Uh, and, and after they get married. Yeah. At least the blood pressure part, right? For my, for my wife anyway. Oh, for yeah. your wife especially. Um, race is also a factor. So African Americans are a little bit more likely to develop high blood pressure. And in African Americans, uh, hypertension tends to be more severe. Why, why is that? You know, and I, didn't, I did not look into really the pathophysiology of that. Did well, it always used to be, I thought, because of um, you know, the ACE activity and bradykinin or, or whatever. And I just know there were a lot of hypotheses back when the dinosaurs were going on. And, you know, have you ever tried to take a blood pressure on a dinosaur? We can talk about that later. It was not pretty. No. Um, I know you have because you're in that age group that well, would have taken Well, that and doing colorectal on screening on dinosaurs was not fun either. I bet not. No. Um, but, you know, a lot of that's changed. So it would be interesting for us to look up mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, future episode when we're talking about questions, maybe that could be one of the questions that we look at. Why is there racial uh, variability? Yeah, that would be, that would actually be an excellent topic. We could do that about multiple disease states, really. Yeah, no, that's a, that would be a great topic. We better write that down. Um, As I was you know, saying earlier, I'll take a mental note 
of that. But unfortunately, a lot of times I write in invisible ink. Right. <laughs> well, you have to have a mental to take a mental note. So, oh. Um, I guess you are pretty mental, though. <clears throat> so uh, there are some... There, there, there is some silver lining, though, a little bit to high blood pressure. It's not like we can't do anything that would impact it. So we do have some things that will, will help to um, decrease our blood pressure, exercise being one of them. What and, if uh, we, I don't exercise? What well, else can I do? You know, even in small amounts, though, I, I tell my patients, start small. And it could be as simple as parking further away when you get your groceries. You know, park at the end of the parking lot and walk that extra distance. You know, I usually tell my patients the same thing. It's like if you go to the grocery store and there's two entrances, do you go into the entrance by the groceries or the one by the home goods? Mm -hmm. Go to the home goods and, you know, walk around the store a little bit. Walk the store, exactly. So anything you can do to kind of get your steps up, get your heart rate up, um, kind of... Your, your your heart is a muscle. Your vasculature actually um, has um, contractibility as well. So anytime you can you can exercise that, you can use your heart, um, you, you're going to be better off. Um, it's going to uh, result in lower blood pressure. Another thing is excessive alcohol consumption. So we did a whole episode about the, the health benefits potentially of alcohol. Two drinks per day if you're a man, one drink per day if you're a woman is the magic number. More than that can increase blood pressure. Did you just see the new um, recommendations by the Canadian Public Health Group? That was impressive. No, not. They used to have it so men could have up to 14 drinks a week, mm-hmm. you know, according to the Canadian and Public Health. Yep. And uh, they cut that back to zero. Really? Yeah. So that's, that it. was really interesting and, you know, in terms of a very big shift. Mm-hmm. And then from the standpoint of, you know, the press was saying 80% of Canadian males consume alcohol. Mm-hmm. So this was a big shift. Yeah. And so you're saying that, you know, this could affect blood pressure. It could affect a lot of things. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should revisit that. Let's go, to, can- let's go to Canada. Did they replace that with maple syrup consumption? Bacon. Actually, bacon. Yeah. Well, but their bacon's different, right? I know. It's more like ham. Why do they call it bacon? I have no idea. I have wow. no idea. We'll have to go to, we should go take the food truck to Canada. That's what I said. We didn't mm-hmm. do this. We do that and ask questions. Why is your bacon not really bacon? Yeah. You start having good ideas like this, I'm going to start listening to you. <laughs> um, yes, I'm, I'm ready for that Canadian episode. You know, a couple other disease states, sleep apnea, if you experience that, more likely to, to experience hypertension. Really? Why? I'm going to ask why again. I, you know, I didn't look it up. Um, Were you not prepared for this episode? I'm not as prepared as I normally am, but... According to the American Heart Association, sleep apnea, and I think it could be probably levels of, of what, cortisol. What was the question? Um, why, how is sleep apnea, uh, how does it affect blood pressure? My, my, I mean, let's, let's be honest, Andrew is more useful here than you are today. He is. He's got the Google machine <laughs> yeah. in front of him. You know, I think it's, this is my theory, only a theory. I think it has to do with cortisol levels, stress hormone. Um, so if you're not experiencing, uh, if you're not getting good levels of sleep, you have increased levels of cortisol, which would indicate higher levels of blood pressure. Gotcha. So that's my, my thought. Well, it, it says that sudden drops in blood oxygen levels that occur during OSA increase... Obstructive blood, sleep apnea. Okay, yeah. increase blood pressure and strain the cardiovascular system. But it doesn't say why. It doesn't say why. We'll, we'll find this out. Oxygen loss. Makes sense. Well, your, your heart works harder because you have less oxygen, so that usually it decreases your oxygen supply. And even if your heart's muscle uh, maintains the same requirements for oxygen, it's going to pump harder, increase the blood flow, so that's going to increase your pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, blood pressure is, what is it, uh, cardiac output times rate or something like that? Right, right. Wow. 
I'm yeah. pulling way back for stuff like this. Wow, <laughs> you are doing good. I am actually impressed. I don't say that very often, but um, yeah. So if you have high blood pressure, which I do, yes, you should um, make an appointment with your physician. So I should I should rephrase this. If you get a home cuff or if you go to a pharmacy and you take your blood pressure and you notice you have high blood pressure, you should make an appointment with your physician pretty much immediately um, to discuss that. If you are in that range of what we call hypertensive crisis, so in that 180 over 120 plus, and you have any symptom that could be related to that high blood pressure, like a headache is the most common, that is actually a trip to the emergency room. Um, because your risk of stroke at that point increases um, drastically. So greater than 180 over 120 and vision changes or headache, straight to the ER. Anything less than that, follow up with your physician immediately. Well, and one of the things that you brought up is, you know, there's a lot of variability with the blood pressure readings. So it's important to track those. So if you get yourself an app or something like that, uh, or just a piece of paper so you can track it over time. I'm a visual person, mm-hmm. so I love some of these health apps where you can you know, do your blood pressure and watch the, the trend over time. And a lot, some of these um, automatic blood pressures automatically populate your phone. Yeah. And so that's been cool. And actually some watches, your watch probably you know, takes your blood pressure. My watch does one thing. Tells time. Tells time. I thought you got an iWatch that one day. a date. No, me? No, I you thought you. I thought you, oh, I thought you did it because of the insurance plan. They give you $75. No, I wanted to. Um, but I never did it. I was just appeasing you because you were all excited about it, and I felt bad for you. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. You are a barrier to health care. I am a barrier to my own health care. So if if you um, are diagnosed with hypertension and diet and exercise isn't enough, and this is all too common, unfortunately, um, there are a whole bunch of medications that we can use to treat those. So kind of a longer laundry list, but I'm going to go through some of these. I'm going to try to use some names. Maybe we'll spark some names with, with the listeners. Um, we have beta blockers, beta blockers block the beta receptor, uh, on our hearts. And what that does is it decreases the rate of contraction. So it makes our heart beat a little bit slower. So your pulse, if you're measuring your pulse, exactly. might brings, decrease. brings our heart rate down a little bit. Um, these are the olols, um, so things like atenolol, um, metoprolol, um, those are beta blockers. Uh, and there's, there's a whole bunch of those. Back, way back in the day, these were probably the most common blood pressure meds. Um, not so much anymore. We do use them for some other disease states, but you still see them quite a bit out there. Uh, probably the most popular nowadays are what's called ACE inhibitors and ARBs. I've looped, I've grouped those two together because they work basically by doing the same thing, which is decrease vascular resistance by relaxing blood vessels. And you, you um, alluded to earlier about um, angiotensin converting enzyme, bradykinin, um, and we can get a little farther in that if you want to. But generally, for the for the kind of non healthcare professional out there. It's relaxing your blood vessels just a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, and those are also good for people that you might have some kidney damage because of high blood pressure. Exactly. And the reason it's good is because it relaxes those blood vessels. So if you think about a garden hose, right, a little itty-bitty garden hose doesn't flow very much blood. A larger bore or a larger hose is going to flow more blood. With less pressure. With less pressure. So if you can flow more blood to those organs, like your kidneys, um, they're going to be healthier and, and happier and 
hopefully less likely to be. All of a sudden, I started thinking about my prostate again. Really? Yeah. And, I and, wish and you would have kept that to yourself. <laughs> uh, then, you know, hey, right? You led, that was a perfect lead in because the next thing I wanted to talk about was diuretics. Um, so diuretics are another uh, class of medications that we can use to treat hypertension. They're not what we would consider, um, not always what we would consider first line, but sometimes. Uh, and they, they decrease pressure by, by reducing volume. So essentially we urinate more. These medications make us urinate. And then that decreases our vascular volume. So there's less circulating volume. So it decreases our pressure. And a lot of times, you know, people have to be treated with more than one of these medications. And so I know that a lot of these uh, compounds come in single pills. Like the pill that I take for my blood pressure has an ACE inhibitor and a diuretic in it. Yep, yep. Um, the, the diuretics you might have heard of, Lasix, furosemide, um, hydrochlorothiazide. Everyone likes to say that, that one. That, that's mine. Hydrochlorothiazide. Yeah. Actually, I was watching a movie. Um, I can't remember. Then It was like a superhero movie, and this guy would turn into a superhero I can't even think of it, but and his name they, was hydrochlorothiazide. Was no, a special this. power peeing? No, get this. So they they had sedated this guy and they brought him to like this secret lair to do work on him. And the and the guy's like, we gave him a large dose of hydrochlorothiazide to knock him out. And uh, to a pharmacist, I just laughed because because you, you him were laughing at the pool of the water underneath <laughs> yeah, him, right? Exactly. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. But it's a very cool sounding word. Uh, other classes we have calcium channel blockers. These are Norvasks, uh, Kalen. Verapamil, diltiazem, um, medications like that. They work um, by relaxing the blood vessels and slowing the heart. So a little bit like an ACE inhibitor and a little bit like a beta blocker. Um, they're also very popular. I think these medications are probably, actually Andrew could, could find this out. Um, these are probably some of the top selling medications in the whole United States. While he's working on that, I'm going to talk I, about I, some other I ones. I bet you it's Viagra. No, not even close. Although Viagra initially was developed to lower blood pressure, and they found a unique side effect. Yes, you're right. Yeah, and it's actually that medication still used in pediatric um, pulmonary, pulmonary hypertension. hypertension. Yeah. yeah, so that's high blood pressure of your lungs. Yeah, we use it in long-term care a lot to help people, uh, males, to from falling out of bed. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'll draw you a picture later. <laughs> Did you find Andrew? Help me. I didn't know exactly what to search, so I just searched uh, best-selling drugs in the U.S., and it's a list of words I can't pronounce. All right, he's handing it over to me. Mark can't pronounce them either. Oh, yeah, there's no way that's correct. These are all biologicals, so I know that these are not. Uh, That might be by dollars. Oh, probably. You can sell one dose of some of these biologicals at $2.4 million a dose, and it just pops up on the... uh, yeah, there isn't a good, it doesn't look like there's a good one. We'll post here. it on the we'll website. We'll post it eventually. Uh, but I can guarantee from my experience in pharmacy that these are some of the best-selling medications um, in the whole United States. There's a whole bunch of other classes as well, vasodilators, um, alpha blockers, alpha agonists, all sorts of other stuff that we Jargon, jargon, jargon. Lots of, lots of jargon. But basically there are just a ton of meds. Um, that have been developed with this idea to decrease blood pressure. So, no, I know we're starting to run out of time here. Mm-hmm. Give me the bottom line. If I decrease my blood pressure, will this help me live longer? I mean, is it just one of these things, like it's a number, and we use this as a red flag, or does it actually mean something? Can I reduce my chance of death? Yes. Um, and in the next episode, when we talk about lipids, we'll actually see 
how reducing your blood pressure can have um, a real impact on your on your chance or on your uh, chance of having a, a cardiovascular event. So lowering your blood pressure does equate to a longer health span. All right. So I guess that's a good takeaway here. Span. It's like know your blood pressure mm-hmm. because if you get it, uh, you know, track that you're having high blood pressure early, you can do something about it. Mm-hmm. And if you do something about it, you're not going to have all these bad things happen to your kidneys and your brain and all this other stuff. And you might actually live a little bit longer. That's exactly right. And the medications are readily available, not a lot of side effects. So this is something And they're pretty inexpensive too. Very inexpensive. So this is not a heavy lift for uh, to be uh, a huge impact on your longevity. All right. Hey, I think we better get going. It looks like uh, somebody's writing up a, a ticket on the uh, the deli oh. van out there. You better go. Do you know yeah. that cop? Yeah, it looks like he's getting the boot out, actually. So I better get out there and move it before we do that. I told you not to park it up in front of the fire hydrant. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by the health deli to sample some of our wares. We're open 24-7 on Facebook and Twitter at The Health Deli or visit thehealthdeli.com to send us a question or find any of our locations. Please come again. We will be regularly stocking the shelves with fresh content and new wellness specials. As always, we want to give a special thank you to Andrew Tingley and the crew at Ferris State University's television and digital media production program. Until next time, so long from the Health Deli, where the topics are tasty, the takes are fresh, and the discussion is free.